This is Saster's Founders Favorite Series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Join us online for Saster's next digital event, Saster Enterprise, the future of work on July 29th. Get the playbook from the leaders at Coupa, Box, PagerDuty, and more. Sign up for free at sasterenterprise.com. Up today, Saster's Jason Limpkin and founder of Cowboy Ventures, Aileen Lee. Okay, so let's talk about this slide for a minute. And you have a broad exposure. You have exposure to segments that are, I call COVID beneficiaries. You have exposure to segments that probably are heavily impacted, right? Um, how do I, how you get your arms around the fact that cloud stocks on the left are at an all-time high and we're, we almost, and California is one of the worst economies in the Western world. How do I, yeah. how are you thinking about this? I mean, I, I mean, the multiples that folks are trading at right now, like on the left hand, I don't totally understand it. I think it'll be interesting to see, because also the numbers, like we don't have Q2 numbers yet, right? Like when Q2 numbers come out, for some folks, they may be softer, right? Because budgets were not really locked up for most of Q1. And so, I mean, I think if you are Zoom, obviously, or maybe an infrastructure, you probably won't see a lot of the budget freezes and the layoffs and, you know, your sponsor being laid off. But I think for a lot of vertical SaaS, they were, they'll, they'll see impacts when the Q2 numbers come out. And so that may change what this chart looks like, maybe in July, August. Yep. And what, when you look at like Main Street versus the cloud index, like what, what are you excited about today? Are you excited, yeah, I mean, more excited about e-commerce? I mean, um, what, especially non-obvious things are you more excited yeah, about? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think in a bunch of categories like healthcare, right, in distance learning, in infrastructure, this recession, which super sucks for a lot of people, it is going to be an accelerator for tech, right? Because businesses are going to rely on technology and are also going to adopt technology faster. So it's like in healthcare, one of my friends who's a doctor says she feel like she, she fell asleep in 2020 and woke up in 2030 in terms of like <laughs> the industry's yeah, willingness to adopt technology because it's been a fight and it needs to be uh, adopting technology across the board. And so, th but now like they have to. Yes. Uh, and so I think for a lot of states and reg like regulatory agencies and businesses that have been pushing back, like they're, to enable remote work, they're going to have to change a lot of stuff. And that's going to take, that's going to, um, a lot of investment's going to happen in software. So it's not going to be like, if the question would be like, do you feel like we have too many unicorns? Like we are going to have more unicorns. Like there's, there's no question in my mind, there's going to be more in the U S and more in China and then like an increasing number in Latin America and in India and in other markets that are really huge because this is like, we're like, you know, we're in a good sector. Tech is only going to get more important and more valuable. What does it mean? So we're we're in these weird times. The mark, the, the you know, the cloud shares are at all time high. Nasdaq's close. This crazy recession we're ever in. But you're bullish about unicorns, right? Yeah. Unicorn generation. What is that? How does that inform your thinking in terms of uh, types of investments, pace, valuations, anything? Does it inform your? Does it change your thinking? Yeah. No. I mean, I think. Look, I I was an A B investor for twelve years yeah. and did some growth too, and I switched to seed. Um, partially, I think for personal reasons, like I think it's a better fit for me and it's more fun. Like I'm really passionate about seed investing and, uh, and there are lots of really good folks that we partner with at A and B and C and D. 
um, who they're really good at that. And this is the one thing that we want to focus on. We think it's also a great category for like, you know, you are getting in at the riskiest time um, where the valuations are lower, um, but there's way more upside. It's also more collaborative, as you know, like it's, you know, I was, had lots of friends in seed who were co-investing with each other and helping each other build companies. Whereas at A and B and C, you generally like, you can be friends with everyone in VC, but you have to beat all of them to win the A or the B. And then you're carrying the, you know, you're carrying the water with the founders for the next decade as a lead board member, and you don't get a ton of help from other people. So I really, I love seed and I'm, I'm super excited about it. So I want to dig into that next on the next point, but before we leave this slide, do you have any portfolio companies that have benefited from this time that you didn't expect? Like not the, not the, you know, maybe even Zoom, we didn't fully expect it would be this big, right? But are there any that folks could learn from that you're like, wow, I'm kind of surprised that one is a COVID beneficiary? Not really a surprise. I guess um, mm-hmm. probably one of the more notable uh, companies that we work with is Guild Education. Yep. And uh, I think because a lot of the folks that they work with, they basically help hourly workers who work for big companies like uh, Disney and Walmart get high school diplomas or college educations or get vocational training. And I think because there have been a lot of layoffs in hourly workers, I think there could be a question about whether that was going to hurt a company like Guild. But it's turned out that a lot of enterprises who have furloughed workers are suggesting that people who are furloughed use the time to actually get an education. Um, it's also being used as an offboarding benefit. So like, we're really, we're really sorry we have to let you go, but we're going to help you get on a career path so you can get this benefit of trying to figure out like, where you're going to get your next job. So there's been a bunch of things that actually have helped accelerate Guild um, that I think could have been a question. And obviously just the fact that they've built this incredible um, infrastructure for remote learning is great. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, it, it, on the one hand, it's remote learning, right? And very powerful. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's a benefit right? At least you you know the company much better than I do, but it's a benefit. That's where the budget comes from. That's why it's done well, but it's a benefit. And as soon as folks cut at traditional companies and cut people, you would think the benefits, we've seen many folks in the benefit space be be exactly linearly impacted, linearly impacted with layoffs. And and it's just, it's natural, right? It's like cutting back on rent, we'll cut back on benefits. Totally, totally. So that was one of those like, uh uh-oh, it's like, are we, but it's, so far it's going great. That is interesting. What's your gut? Um, how, what percent of startups you think are COVID beneficiaries? What's your? Do you, have you looked at it? Do you have a sense? What? What? What do you think? I think unfortunately, it's a pretty small. It's a small percentage. percentage benefiting. I'd say ten yeah. to fifteen. I don't think it's. 10 to 15. Yeah. What do you think? I made up a number just based on a very limited data set. I think it's in SaaS in cloud. If you define it that way, I think it's about fifteen to twenty percent. Yeah. Um, and it's more of the folks on the left than we would have thought, right? Which maybe there's some learning from that, right? Uh, we, we missed it. We knew Slack would benefit, but actually Atlassian's benefited much more than Slack, right? There's, there's some, did we, did we know bill.com would benefit mm-hmm. as much as Zoom? Um, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you didn't analyze its business model, you would, you would think that intuitively, right? Um, yeah. But I feel... The question, and let's maybe transition to that. Let's assume it's 10 or 15 or 15 or 20. It's a big delta, but, it's, but you're not saying it's single digits, right? There's, so no. for the rest of the year, or at least for the next quarter or two, would you only invest in COVID beneficiaries or would you invest in folks in heavily impacted industries? Like, how are you thinking about that? It's, like, it's a spectrum. Like, I don't think I'm going to be going to try and find a lot of travel startups right now. Yes. 
But I do think like we're investors in a company called Homebase that basically sells SaaS for small, medium-sized businesses to do hourly work management, like scheduling shifts, paying folks, um, giving them cash advances, communicating with the manager. Like obviously the majority of the people who they were managing the shifts and the payments for who were working in February, they were not working in March or in April. Yeah. Um, but when businesses reopen, I think they are going to rely on technology more than ever before, right? Some of the older businesses that were like a little hesitant about technology, they may not reopen. And the people who start businesses in the next generation are going to be like, I need a full stack of modern software to run my business. So it's flexible and it's nimble and I have good transparency and I can do it from anywhere. Um, and so they will adopt things like home base at a faster rate than businesses that have been around for 30 years. Um, and so I think if you time it right, there's, I mean, you can basically ride the wave of all these businesses reopening. And for your existing portfolio and new investments, can you model that? Do you think, it, do you, I mean, you have to have a, you have to have at least a position, right? Is it yeah. six months, 12 months? They just announced today Disney World's going to start to reopen. When wow. will home base get back? When is it going to reopen? Is it going to be like six feet apart and every other, like on the roller coaster? Every July. other July, yeah. They're going to adopt gonna be- the Shanghai processes. Attendance will be half. Uh, they won't, you can't, you can't hug uh, a prince <laughs> or a princess and you have to get reservations. Uh, Is the price going to be double? Well, that's an, that's a question for a lot of things down the road. If the price yeah. doesn't double, I mean, that's a restaurant question too, right? Yeah. I mean, if the price is double, it all works. Um, and, you know, obviously Disney can carry a business for a little while. There's, those are some of the scarier questions, right? Yeah. For our economy um, is, can we adapt to things? Can we adapt to Coachella when we're 20 feet apart? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Coachella $4,000 a ticket works, does it? I know. No, but also it was funny. I was uh, in San Mateo County. I think they have a rule that camp, some camps can open, but they have to, you have to sign up for four weeks at a time because they don't want kids in and out. But it's like that really disadvantages people who cannot afford four weeks of camp. Oh, yeah. There's the, it's the, not good. I, yeah, there's a lot of challenges. A lot, a lot of challenges. A lot of, and I think a, a lot of, probably beyond the scope of what we get into today, but a, a lot of these, a lot of these flattening things you might, th- and we can, at, we can talk about it in deal flow. Like you might think some flattening helps less advantaged, but I don't know. Do you think pitching over Zoom helps outsiders more? Do you think it helps the founder that didn't go to Stanford and didn't go to YC or is it maybe not help as much as you think pitching? I'm hopeful. That, I mean, I think there's two things. There's the pitching, but there's also where's the company going to be based? right? Like yeah. that's all up in the air now. So before, I mean, look, when I was at Kleiner, the, I spent a year going, spending a lot of time in New York. Like there was a lot of stuff going on in New York. And I, when I came back and I was like, Hey, I found all these cool companies like Mongo and Warby and Stack Overflow. And like, they were like, some partners are like, why are you wasting your time? No big companies are ever going to be built outside the Bay area. Like we clearly didn't teach you well. Yes. <laughs> and uh, same thing with HomeAway actually. Like you know, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, why are you wasting your time? Like, and so that things have changed a lot in the past 10 years, but I am hopeful that, you know, I was just on the phone with one of the CEOs we work with today who is in New York and they're moving to Denver. Uh, you know, just people are gonna, I think over the summer, people are going to be moving all over the place and trying to figure out how to run remote or partially distributed or clustered companies. Uh, and I think that will advantage founders who are in different places and are not on the coasts. I think it started like last week. You think so? I think that um, folks that live in San Francisco, live 
uh, founders and executives that live a crummy lifestyle in San Francisco in, yeah. in gross parts of the city that have sacrificed, that maybe even have a, a, a families, right? Yeah. Um, that have sacrificed a lot are looking around. And I have several, like, several conversations I've had are looking around and like, what is the point to being in San Francisco today? Yeah. I cannot visit Salesforce. I cannot visit Twilio. I cannot visit a customer. And I have a baby and a husband or a wife or some other living in not just a small apartment, yeah. but, a, but a gross part of yeah, I've totally. traded off so much. And I, three people I know got in the, got packed up the minivan and left. Totally. Uh, I agree. Like we had a, another CEO that we work with. They packed up their car and they rented an apartment or a house on a lake in South Carolina. They had never been there before. They'd never been to the town and they just drove there and they lived there for the past month and a half. And he's been so much more productive and so much happier. Like there's a whole other thing we won't get into around mental health and all the like, you know, it's especially if you're by yourself in a small apartment, it's not, not happy making. Yep. And how do you think, like, let's just, maybe this is a, a, not a good example, but when you invested in Guild, mm -hmm. they were based in Denver, right? No, they were based uh, in Palo Alto. Oh, and I, thought, moved, I thought it was based in Denver. They though. moved to Denver. It was funny because Rachel uh, came to us and said like, hey, I know we just had a meeting and we discussed we need to hire a VP of engineering and a VP of product and a VP of marketing, but we also want to move the company to Denver. And we were like, what? We're like, how are we going to find those people in Denver? And she was like, trust me, like there's some really good companies there and some tech, like, you know, Facebook and Gusto are opening offices. It's a great place to live. I think I can get people from the East coast and the West coast to move to Denver because if you want to have a family or if you want to buy a house, it's a great, you want to send your kids to public school. It's a great place. And I want to build a company where people can have a family and have a good home life and have a great job. And I'm so glad that we were like, okay, do it because it's been, it was a, a really smart move and probably three or four years ahead of her time. Yeah, it was. So she's built a unicorn now. Did you have, at, so let's, and let's compare today. Did you have any, yeah. I mean, you had no choice, but did you have reservations? Did you try to talk oh, around totally. it? I didn't try to talk, but I was like, are you sure? <laughs> but I mean, I think it gets a lot of stuff on the slide, right? Which is we are seed. I would say half the time that we invest, they haven't built a product yet. Like there's no technology. They need money to actually build software. And then half the time they built like some MVP. We do about, we're probably 75% enterprise, 25% consumer. We're generalists. Yep. We usually invest between 500K to one and a half million. We like to co-lead or co-anchor seed uh, rounds with, and we almost always co-invest with other folks, angels and institutional seed folks like yourself. And so like at Guild, they had basically they had an idea for kind of reboot your career boot camps, And they came up with a three hour boot camp, and they posted it on Craigslist and they rented um, strip mall like vacant space and they were holding these free three hour boot camps, And then they were like texting the people afterwards asking for, and then they charged 40 bucks and then 80 bucks. But that's basically what they had when we invested. Uh, and so we definitely, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect at seed. <laughs> and so I want to, I want to, I want to make sure we hit the bullets on this slide, but so today let's fast forward today. So, so, Four, four years ago when Rachel said I'm moving to Denver mm -hmm. to build my management team. And now that I understand kind of how raw the vision was in the beginning, I get it, right? Because it wasn't technology heavy in the beginning, that's for mm -hmm. sure, right? Yeah. Um, so I get it. But today, if I, if you, do you, how are you feeling, how are you feeling about not just New York or Denver, how are you feeling about Baton Rouge or yeah. Sioux Falls or Tampa or how, how does that strike you today? And, and, and 
what would you, and at, for new deals and what would you advise founders that are thinking about leaving the Bay Area now? Yeah, I mean, it's a better time than ever to both, you know, to start a company in a different, different part of the United States. Uh, your people are going to have to be way more purposeful around culture building and about communication because uh, it's still been a rarity to build a really successful scaled company without having like a formative team members live and work in the same place and be next to each other. Like a lot of times we recommend like for portfolio companies that are opening a second or third office, it's like, you know, you have people all in the headquarters and then you send out people who really understand the culture and how to have a lot of internal credibility and they start the new offices. In some cases, like what I'm really curious is like founders may start companies and they've never they've never been in the same office when they start the company. Like when we hear pitches this fall, we're probably going to hear people who have like not seen each other. Yes. Uh, um, but like um, SVT Robotics is a company that uh, is based in Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach actually. And uh, it's kind of like MuleSaw for warehouse robotics for um, integrating. Like, you know, if you've got a third party robotic arm and you want to um, integrate it with your conveyor belt or your WMS, you'll use, you'll use SVT instead of writing custom code, the founders know warehouses and they know warehouse automation really well. And they've lived in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Virginia and like all the places where warehouses are. Yeah. Uh, and so, and we're super psyched to be investors in that company and we'd love to find more like them. That's a good, those are all really interesting examples. Today, if you met with a startup and, and again, you're doing seed, so it's early, but it's the kind of company that clearly could benefit in a year or two from some Salesforce alums or Box alums or Twilio alums. They're doing a classic playbook and they want to move to Arkansas or Ohio or Bismarck. Would you, is that, a, is that a no in this flattened world, in this distributed world? Do you think you can get VPs to join a company, Bay Area style VPs to join non-Bay Area companies in 2020? Do you think that'll change? Uh, I think we can do it. I mean, we... You know, it's funny, at Textio, another company that I work with, uh, which is based in Seattle, we uh, tried hard to make the whole team Seattle-based. And uh, when we were doing our head of uh, revenue search, we just we said, like, you know, maybe we should open it up and look at people who are not based in Seattle. And we found a great person uh, who's based in the Bay Area. And we, I mean, it, at the time, we had a deal where he was going to spend a week or two in Seattle a month and then a week or two at home or on the road. Uh, and so we're fortunate that we had that time together before we wanted to go into shelter in place, but like it works and he's a huge part of the team and, and they're making it work. So I think we're all learning fortunately, or we have been learning over the past couple of years, how to make kind of commuter style jobs work and distributed team work, which is a good warm up for the next three years we're about to live through. All right. And thank you for doing this. This was great. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks everybody. Say goodbye to slip-ups. Old news is a thing of the past. With Guru's verification tool, you'll always be confident that your team's knowledge is up-to-date and accurate because it's verified by your in-house experts. Saster listeners can get Guru for free today by visiting getguru.com forward slash Saster.